Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Bridging the Gap, where issues of the day meets a biblical perspective. My name is Ryan. I am your host. And on this episode, we're actually going to be discussing um, church accountability. So if you guys listened to my last episode, you know, I told you we were going to be kind of shifting the focus, the focus of the podcast is going to be more of an in-house format, in-house meaning God's house, and we're going to be focusing on more church issues than um, general secular world issues, if you will. And uh, so how does church accountability fit fit within that? Um, <clears throat> I recently came across a video by... Um, a YouTuber. His name is Alan Parr. Some of you guys may have heard of him. Um, if you haven't, yeah, he's a pretty popular YouTuber. Um, you know, I, I follow his stuff. I like his content. You know, he's pretty sound. And uh, he had recently made a video about Pastor Mike Todd. I'm sure you guys definitely know who that is. And um, in the video, he was essentially talking about how uh, because of certain things that Mike Todd has said, whether in the pulpit or um, over a tweet, <laughs> which was the most recent thing, and just his general um, conduct as a church leader. And uh, he said he does not recommend him uh, for, for people to to listen to or to learn from or, or whatnot. I didn't call him like a, a heretic or a false teacher or anything like that. He just said he doesn't recommend him. So anyways, he posted that and... Uh, many people in the church were uh, divided, for lack of better words, over the issue. They felt some people felt like Alan Parr was charitable. I actually fall into that camp. Some people felt like he was a little harsh. Some people felt like he was overly critical, judgmental, what have you. And um, but the reasoning, but it wasn't the fact that they were divided. More so, the, the issue I took with it was the reasoning behind why they felt the way that they felt and why they thought that. You know, Alan Parr was wrong and he should, you know, take the video down and all this kind of stuff. So um, I will not be discussing this alone. I do have some guests on today. Um, you know, a good friend of mine from back home. You guys have heard from them before. You got Cornell um, as well as Milo are both going to be joining the, the dialogue with me on this podcast. You guys say what's up to the people. Go Cowboys. Oh, really, bro? We them boys. Is he really a Cowboys fan? Well, he's from Texas, so. Oh, I, you know, I can't <laughs> believe I'm going to have to uh, help him <laughs> deal with his pain this weekend. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> hey, I didn't even, I didn't even put that together. I got two, like, yeah, literal, you got, like. Yeah, yeah. put something, that's God doing that. Yeah. Nice to be uh, here with you, brother. <laughs> that's so funny. Um. Anyways. Oh, well, yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Cornell Swain, and I uh, know uh, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I am an everything Texas fan, uh, <laughs> Houston first. And then whenever uh, Texas plays the Bay Area, I got to bring the heat. So I'm bringing it this week to Brother Milo. Oh, I love it. I'm a I'm a Niners fan, so I'm getting ready to beat those Cowboys. So you're going to have to get over that Texas love for a little bit, but I love this discussion because I think 
it's going to be interesting because we might fall at different places, but still come to an agreement at the end because that's what Ryan does. He bridges the gap. And so I'm excited to participate. Well, hey, man, I mean, I certainly try. <laughs> I don't know if I'm always successful, but, you know, I, I certainly try. Um, definitely want to, you know, find points of agreement. And honestly, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's about the word. Like, what does the word say? And, you know, that's our <clears throat> that's our measuring stick. That's our that's our guide for anything that we believe, anything that we do, um, you know, in general. So that's that's what we're going to be working with today. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. So first of all, and we were kind of like off the air. Cornell, you said you saw the video, right? Yeah, I saw the video. Okay. Um, um, my thoughts on the video? Yeah. Just, well, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Okay. Milo, did you see the video? I saw the majority of it. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> not so much your thoughts on the video. Um, in fact, I actually, I've kind of lightly spoken to you both about it, <laughs> about it anyways, but like more so the, what happened as, you know, what happened after the video is, is more so like what I'm going to talk about. So, and, and when I talk about like church accountability, there is going to be a slight emphasis on leadership. Okay. Um, I mean, everybody in God's house is, is to be accountable, you know, to someone not, I mean, not just like, obviously like Christ, we're accountable to Christ, but within the church, like who's holding you accountable, you know, whether it be a friend or a brother or, you know, your pastor or your wife or, you know, whatever the case, like, you know, we're accountable, we're accountable to each other, you know, um, on behalf of, of Christ, if you will. Um, so, you know, I have a few, a few questions planned and, you know, we're going to look at some, some passages and, uh, see if we can get to the nitty gritty of it all. But, I'll start with the first question, and then Milo, you can go first, and then Cornell, you can go after. So the first question is this: because we're having, because the emphasis is on leadership, and because um, part of the issue with high-profile leaders and pastors in the church, when anything they do was going to be, um, going to be publicized. Number one, and so whether it's good or bad, like we're going to see it. The public's going to see it. You know, the church world is going to see it as well as the secular world is going to see it. So there's no way around that. Um, but even if that wasn't the case, whether you were a popular pastor or, or leader in a church or you were unpopular, my question is, just generally speaking, how should leaders in the church be held accountable? What does that look like to you? Milo, you can go first. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, separate from the video, because I, I think we all are interested in like how that plays into the example. But that question, how should church leaders be held accountable? It presupposes two things mm -hmm. in the question. The first presupposition is that the leader has been truly identified mm -hmm. because a properly identified leader has the ability to account and so if you have the ability to account, guess what? You're going to be accountable. You have accountability. But if you're not a true leader, then we've missed the mark at the leadership identification stage. And then the other presupposition is that the leader has been properly developed because people need tools and uh, different things to get where God has called them to go. And so with those two presuppositions in mind, I think that how should 
the church leaders be held accountable. Church leaders should be held accountable by the local church leaders who they serve with. And mm -hmm. I think the nuance that we're going to get into is this idea that the universal church can tweet or social media criticize someone else and think the universal church has the authority to discipline or hold accountable when it's a local church issue. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to separate criticism from holding someone accountable. And uh, so I think it looks like a local church plan where the leaders who are elders or senior pastors or, and if it's a congregational issue or board issue says, here's our process to rebuke, to coach, to discipline. And when we start getting into, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but when we start getting into the, the universal church trying to criticize, we get into what I think is the postmodern perspective, which is many interpretations of what happened. And I don't know how that helps us unify. So my thought is a local issue for holding someone accountable, but there is a universal role that's separate from that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Cornell, what would you say? Well, I would start off uh, by saying that uh, I'm saying this in love, but I can't stand keyboard uh, commentators. Right. <laughs> Amen. Um, now, <clears throat> I've listened to Alan Parr and he's very balanced. So from that, I'll say that, you know, I respect Alan from what I've heard his work, but there's countless uh, discernment YouTubers um, who basically are saying this person is the Antichrist or, or this person is a heretic or Tony Evans is a heretic or, you know, this person's a heretic. They're constantly going on these witch hunt heretic to build their platform. Let's be honest. They're looking to build their platform, but in reality, they're not really speaking to biblical truth. They're speaking to this is my camp's truth. This is the way that my camp or my denomination or the movement that I'm a part of sees the scriptures. And if you don't see it like we do, you're a heretic or you're this or that. So, so one, I struggle with listening to many of the people who are now it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have it because we're on something like that now right so i'm okay with it but at the same time i think that many times you have people who are actually trying to build their brand uh instead of really trying to build the church uh so i want to say that first and foremost uh so i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with uh dialogues where people or are doing it. But now that I'm a senior pastor <laughs> and I have to preach every Sunday, mm -hmm. you know, I know that I don't, I do my best to cross, you know, every T and to dot every I, but uh, Ryan, we were just on a, on a, on a, on a phone conversation about uh, my, my fat fingers on how my text stuff, it always <laughs> sends the wrong word. Yeah. And just the same, whenever, you know, I preach sometimes, you know, and I've heard countless preachers, they may not say the right word all the time. Right. So all that to say, I wanted to just introduce that, that, you know, um, the church or pastors, uh, the way that we hold them accountable uh, is not by people online. Now, it's a good dialogue to have. It's a good way to introduce topics so that people can see things that they may not know. 
but I don't think it's a way that you should hold pastors accountable. Um, you know, Jesus, you know, um, says, I am the son of man, right? And that was the nickname that he gave himself. And the son of man coming out of Daniel 7 is talking about the son of man who's coming on the clouds, who's going to be given all authority, all power, you know, that he will be worshipped, right? And then at the end, and then all through the scriptures, when he's healing people and doing miracles, he says, do you believe in who? The son of man, this man who has this authority. And then from that, in the Great Commission, what does he say? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So now go and make disciples, right? So in essence, I'm now giving you this authority. I'm now commissioning you, right? So the authority resides uh, in the church. Right. And that's the where the accountability is supposed to be had is in the local church. Uh, now you have certain denominations to where they're not congregational. They have, you know, all the way up to their bishop or their pope or their who, uh, presbytery, whoever's involved. And then you have more localized congregations. So however that's set up, I believe the accountability is supposed to be with the local church and every local church whether they have uh, elders, whether they have deacons, or whether they have like the new system of a board. Everyone is supposed to come together through prayer and hold each other accountable, not just the pastor, but each other accountable. And the Holy Spirit, you know, is the one who in essence is leading people's hearts to an essence to, uh, to rebuke or to convict you know, whatever's happening so that that we as pastors can be held accountable. But it's a set up through a board, set up through elders, it's set up through deacons, and it should be set up through your local congregation. So that's why it's important when you set up your elder board, when you set up your deacon board, it should be through prayer and not just because, you know, this person has this or this person has that, because many times pastors set up yes men around them so that they can do whatever they want to do. Uh, and that causes a lot of problems because they don't want to, they don't want accountability around them because some people hold them so accountable. They may feel like they could never do anything, right? You got to go through so many channels to get anything done. So they say, all right, we're going to put yes, man. Around. So I, I think that it's important when you set up your elders or your boards or deacons through prayer, find men of integrity and not just yes, men. I can't believe I agree with this Texas guy. That's amazing. <laughs> it's interesting because <clears throat> you you touched on something, and I'm glad you said it because that's kind of where I was going to go uh, next after you were finished. You talked about the idea of you know having having men first of all accountability starting in a local church. Okay, and and surrounding yourself with individuals who are going to be integrity who are who are going to have integrity, who are actually going to hold you accountable and who can, you know, uh, who you can trust and they want to see you thrive and grow and all that. Um, so my, my, I kind of had a follow-up question in regards to that, because I think one of the issues, and this is a byproduct of, um, or result, I should say, of when that doesn't happen, because Stories will come out against about like high profile leaders 
um, like multiple stories will come out, right? About certain individuals. And then, then, then we have like, like there's a moral failure or whatever the case. I'm going to try to avoid using like specific examples, you know, in the podcast, but, um, uh, and like like a pastor will have a moral failure, and then you have all these stories of individuals coming out who are affirming the things that were happening and saying, "Oh, this this has been going on for you know four or five years." You know what I mean? And then so that tells me, okay, so yeah, whoever's in their camp is not holding them accountable. So by the time it 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 bleeds out to the public the way that it does, now you're subject to the court of public opinion. Now whether that's right or that's wrong. That's something that we have to wrestle with because, again, the 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 the, the model that 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 you're speaking to, Cornell, wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. So when that's happening, and this is kind of the follow-up question: What do we do then when the local church, when the local board, or, or whoever is not holding the individual accountable, and they're doing with whatever they want to do? And uh, I don't know who wants to go first, but. I'll go first and I'll let Milo bring it home. You know, <laughs> let that bang bang niner game. <laughs> <laughs> well well, one, let me just say this. I was reading this book and I thought it was great, and I'm gonna slaughter it. But the guy said whenever, you know, uh, the way it's set up is that whenever you're building your board or you're starting a church or you're establishing your deacons, he said one of the things you want to do is you wanna find people who love God more than they love you. They, you want to find people who love the church more than they love you. And then you find people who actually love you. There you go. And then you build this team. And when you build this team, it, it creates this balance so that you don't find yes men. And you don't find these different things. Um, so from that, you know, the question that you ask is, the criticism, repeat the question one more time because I'm, I'm looking at my notes and I got sidetracked real fast, but what was the question again? Oh, no worries. My, my question essentially was, so what do we do when the model that's supposed to be in place uh, to, you know, protect the flock as well as help the pastor is 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 not being done when you have when you have yes man essentially as opposed to people who are actually going to, you know, have integrity and hold you accountable. So, you know, going back to the example I use, when you have these pastors who've been, who, you know, get exposed for the moral failure for something they've really been doing for a number of years, not recent, they've been doing it for like five, six years, you know, and it's been affirmed by multiple witnesses, whatever the case. So in those situations, when it's gone on a long time without these pastors and leaders being held accountable, what, what's, what's the church's for that? I got you. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I thought that was it, but I believe just as you would replace a pastor, I believe it's the same that you should replace that whole elder board. If the elder board knew or the deacon board knew, if, if you're going to get rid of the pastor, if you're going to fire a pastor, if you're going to admonish the pastor, when the system that was in place helped foster it, Everyone needs to be admonished, right? You know, and I think that's one of the things where I'm not sure I really agree with the board uh, yet, even though we have a board at our church. And I think one of the things that they say that's good about a board is that it gives more people an opportunity to get involved uh, in the church, to be able to help grow the church. Um, 
And so what happens, it gives you an opportunity to, all right, your two years is up, you know, you know, new people in. So it gives you that opportunity when things start going wrong to bring new people in, right? So that's one. But if you're looking at an elder board or a deacon board, I think just the same, however you're going to admonish the pastor, they need to be admonished as well or replaced as well, or there needs to be something done so that everything is um, brought up to speed to where Christ is exalted, not whatever is actually happening in the church. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. Um, Cornell, <laughs> he said, he said, throw the whole church away, <laughs> throw the whole board away. <laughs> um, Milo, what what are your thoughts? Well, I like I, I I love the fact that we all seem to think that there's a local church thing that needs to happen, and because we're talking about accountability but as we bridge the gap the thing that i think we're missing is we have to see the difference between the the church at large the universal church and then the local church because when we talk about the local church we're talking about church hierarchy you know we're a family and who's leading who in the system whereas in the universal church we're talking about the body of christ and so what I think we need to do is, since we agree on the local level, is try to see what's the problem on the public level. What What's the big deal about these public figures and the, the criticism that we have or the way that we can hold them accountable? And, and here's my thought that I want you guys to consider. I believe there's a two-sided coin. It's all about motivation. And the one scripture that I have is you know first timothy 4 verse 16 watch your life and doctrine closely preserve in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers and the first side of the coin is what motivates your teaching because your life teaches something and your doctrine teaches something so however you teach what's motivating your teaching and so What's happening is that when people's teaching in the church leadership publicly are off, then we see that and we notice that and we say there's something that's motivating your teaching that isn't scripture or isn't Christ or isn't the spirit of God. And so that's causing the reaction. But here's the other side of the coin. And this is where I think in this what we call postmodern type of world we're missing. The other side is what motivates your criticism? Because what makes you criticize another man's teaching or life? And the challenge is identifying the obvious nature of self-serving motives in criticism. So if I criticize someone who has a bigger platform than me, and I think, huh, you should be, as a Pastor Swain said, he's, Cornell sounds so much like a senior pastor now, by the way. I love that. Um, he just, he clearly has, he's, he's grappled with these issues in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that I, I, I appreciate. Um, but the question is, I know that I'm trying to deal with church planning pressure or church growth pressure. And so the easiest way to grow my ministry is to like show myself as 
someone who's genuine and and and, and covert, but um, I, I'm a better option than the guy you've been listening to. And so I'm concerned that we see the motivation issues with the teaching, but we might not see our own errors in our criticism of other people's teaching. And if we don't see that side of the coin, we're never going to be unified. Can, yeah. can I jump in on? Can I jump in on this real fast? Yeah. You know, one of the things that he said that that I, that I really like, and, and I'm I was trying to process, is in this in this new age of ministry, right? Uh, you no longer really have to be a pastor or a senior pastor. Uh, now you have a lot of people who are online doing things, and a lot of the stuff that's out there is great, right? It's great material. It's great, but at the same time, what's happening? is senior pastors are now feeling like they need to keep up with TikTok or Instagram or YouTube ministers. So as a result, they're they're trying to make themselves cooler. They're trying to make themselves more relatable or they're trying to say things in their sermon that are, you know, it's on fleek. You know, I don't even know what that word means, right? But it's, and they are at the expense of their own lo local congregation. It seems like they're putting too much weight into the online presence to bring online viewers. Dude, just focus on your congregation. Focus on what you have and be faithful with that and let God either bring or not bring, right? Yes, you have tons of people who are online building these online platforms and they're blowing up. And as a result, there's pressure now on senior pastors uh, to start doing things like that. Or once you kind of blow up a little bit, like an example, Michael Todd, because of someone that came to his congregation, put it out there online. And someone heard it on her platform and it blew up. Now there's the constant pressure of trying to stay relevant and attract that crowd instead of preaching the word of God the way that God has given it to you. But yet you start adding more gimmicks or more this and more that. And that's where everyone's okay with it because the church is growing. Everyone's okay with it because now everyone's getting paid. Everyone's getting paid with it because it seems like souls are being saved, but yet at what expense? Right? So, yeah. Amen. Ryan, can I just add one thing? I know that we're getting, you know, um, we're kind of sharing the same, you know, thought process here. But when I go back to that whole coin thing and, and kind of piggybacking off what, what Brother Swain said, mm -hmm. um, the first side of the coin, what motivates Michael Todd to teach what he teaches? And then secondly, on the other side of the coin, what motivates Brother Parr to criticize Michael Todd's teaching? Mm -hmm. Once we figure those two things out, we really have a framework where the local church and the universal church are speaking the same language. That's because, good. Yeah, because the issue is this motivation, like, what does Romans, I think, 14, 12 say? So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And so if I could see, it doesn't matter if I'm overt and loud and, and, and boisterous or if I'm sweet and kind. If I have my platform 
and I use it to criticize someone who's doing something more than me. Here's the truth. Uh, Alan Parr is much more professional in his presentation than I am. And Michael Todd is like funny and interesting. Alan Parr is not funny. He couldn't tell a joke to save his life. And I don't think that, that Michael Todd could teach like Alan Parr. So the issue is you're criticizing someone who has a gifting that you don't have. And then the issue is, well, as, as I think Brother Swain was saying, well, we do church this way and you would be better if you followed me instead of that person. So my hope is that for those of us who are church planning or church growing or serving, that we criticize anyone else, that we analyze our motivation, because if we benefit from the criticism, we already know that there's some type of error baked into that process. And I feel like we can see the bad teaching, but we can't see the bad motivation. And if we don't see that side of the coin, we're missing the mark for where I think uh, the church is headed. Gotcha. Gotcha. You guys both like said a whole bunch (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, and and there's, there's so many, there's so many segues I want to take with with what you guys says. I'm going to try and like (laughs) do this kind of take my thoughts like one at a time based on what I heard. Um, And I also want to play like devil's advocate based on what you guys said to a degree, because I agree, actually agree with what a lot of what you guys are both saying. So um, I just want to make sure we're, we're covering all our bases and we're being as, as, as well-rounded and charitable as possible. Um, Let me see. So Milo, you were talking about motivation, like, you know, what motivates um, like a false teacher to teach the things that they do or, you know, I say the things they say, um, and then on the flip side, what motivates somebody to criticize that individual? So we're we're when you were using that example, you know, obviously we're talking about two high-profile individuals, right? right? Mm-hmm. What if there's somebody who um, <clears throat> who who raises concern about? you know, uh, Alan Parr or Michael Todd, whoever the high profile leader is, or any leader for that matter, who who has nothing really to gain, who doesn't have a platform, who's genuinely concerned about what they're, what they're feeding the flock. And when I say flock, we have to consider this because we're talking about a localized church, right? Yes. Let's, let's keep it real. Millions of people, millions of people are hearing what these individuals have to say. So it's not just people at the local level who are either benefiting or not benefiting from what's being taught, but even on a global level, because of social media, because of these different platforms and the things that that um, Cornell had mentioned. Mm-hmm. So to that point, if an individual raises a concern, who does have a platform? Like they just they just own Facebook. Like you know, you you saw the post and the thing that I posted. Like I actually posted Alan Parr's video and. And this it had nothing really to do with Michael Todd. You know, my feelings about Michael Todd are neither here nor there, but what he was speaking on, like that's that was kind of the thing that I like wanted to to weed out. It's like, okay, I don't agree with what he said here. Like I like I like I endorse the idea that we're calling out this teaching that's harmful to the church. And it could have been anybody who said it. <laughs> it didn't have to be Michael Todd, it didn't have to be you know, whoever we're talking about. It could have been anybody who said it, no matter what, I'm keeping that same energy. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. 
is it impossible for an individual to like have genuine concern and not have any um, ulterior motive or any any bad motive, I should say, for you know calling something out that is unbiblical? And doesn't Scripture teach us to do that? You know, to 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 mark these teachings, to mark these individuals, not just the teachings, but even the person. You know, mark them. If, yeah. You know, um, what what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I I I can't disagree with anything you said, but I'm going to challenge everything you said. Okay. Because I'm a firm believer in the foundational presupposition of what we're arguing, and so the first thing is you're talking about it, it, a non-leader who's who's a leader because they're a Christian, but they're just an individual. So now we're talking about a different group than we started. So we have to deal with that differently. But Ryan, and I, I love that you're so genuine that you don't care to be called out because I'd like to call you out. And I'd like to call you out by saying that I think you're missing the mark. And what I mean by that is you see what's wrong with the teaching of Michael Todd. And therefore, you agree with what Alan Parr did. What I'm saying is I agree with all of that, but on the other side, Alan Parr criticizing Michael Todd is a whole nother thing. So I think that you don't see that what Alan Parr did is its own kind of problem, separate from what Michael Todd did, because the people who are who are the people who the local people that I see, and I, I know the post you're saying, I think they're not disagreeing with you. They're saying, well, he's he's got a different agenda. And so we have to see both sides. I can have a pastor who can teach, and I have, a, but his motives are bad. Well, then he fails the test of leadership. Or he can have great motives but can't teach the right doctrine. Well, then he fails. So there's two sides to the coin. And when you put it publicly, I think you keep defending Alan Parr, and you keep saying what he's not doing. And I'm saying, no, he made a business decision to present himself in a beautiful way to be able to benefit himself while calling out the low-hanging fruit for people who are aware that some of that stuff isn't right. Because, listen, I can't be funny like Michael Todd. I don't have that charisma. What I can do is do a whole video with music that uses him to get leads and then use that to grow myself. So the issue is whenever anyone... I don't care. Go back to your question. The local church person, whenever they say they're concerned, right? Well, that's the side of criticism. Concern is a sweet way of saying I'm critical. So you're either criticizing or teaching. And the question is, when you're teaching, what's motivating you? And when you're criticizing, what's motivating you? And if you think if someone's sweet and nice when they criticize publicly, that it means they're genuine, I think you're missing that deceit comes out sweet and kind in this era. And the most uh, covert loving pastors are triangulators and they're pretending to be sweet when they really have a different motive. And so um, we should see, I'm, I'm going to shut up after this. Let me just kind of share this point. Um, if I heard Pastor Swain do something that was like, preach something that was wrong, which I can't imagine because he's, you know, his heart is so connected to Christ and the word. But let's say I heard that and I was concerned and I was hurt. 
Well, I can pray. I could do a video and say, hey, I'm not recommending him no more. Or I could do a 28-minute video stitching his whole life together from Instagram with music in the back and really sweetly follow this neat agenda to meet the standard of being right and authorized to criticize. But I'll turn it back to you and say, under what authority do I have to criticize Michael Todd or Alan Parr? If they're not part of my local brotherhood, I can just give clarity to the body of Christ that there's something missing. So how do we hold someone accountable we're not truly in relationship with? And if we try to, what are we really motivated by when we do that? So I'll turn it back to you. Well, real fast, in 10 seconds. If you have a platform like Alan Parr, then the question is, if, if it's a concern, I'm just going off what you're saying, Milo, then I should probably pick up the phone because Michael Todd's going to answer my phone call, you know, or he'll answer my email. Let me go to the source and say, hey, man, you know, you've been my boy because that's what Alan Parr did say. But I just heard this stuff or I've been seeing you put all these pictures on YouTube or I've been seeing your wife on YouTube or, or whatever, Instagram. You know, do you think these are some things I'm just letting you know from afar, this is what this looks like or, you know, whatever it is. I think that, you know, that is something that is still viable for people who have platforms, who have the ability to communicate and to talk to people. But I don't think I don't think people rush because remember in the Bible, what does it say? First, you approach that person and you share your concerns. And if they don't listen, then what do you do? Go grab a witness. You go grab that witness. And if they don't listen, then what do you do? You bring it to the church. And so as a result, many times you don't see any of those things actually happening on this, as you said, Milo, this postmodern Internet church. You see people instantly just running to the Internet. And sharing, even if it's right, these are the things that are wrong, right? Right. But it's right. never at first. Let me go to the person. Right. Ryan, right. let me Bill jump in. I, I want to see if we can make Ryan's head explode as we, you know, because I know his everything is jumping out. Two, two quick points, and I'll, then, then I'll be quiet. First of all, uh, Pastor Swain, after that video, Alan Parr did a video explaining why that scripture wasn't properly understood and why he wasn't supposed to do that. And so he's very much aware of the criticism and he's making public decisions. So he would disagree with you. He has a video out that you haven't seen that says people that say what you said is wrong, but maybe he's right. Maybe you're right. Right. But think about Joel Austin and what's uh, John MacArthur. Uh, I forget what he said exactly, but I think we've all heard <laughs> in the past where he said, he said he's a, he, he said he's a quasi pantheist. He was straight with it. That's how you criticize. You know why? Because on the other side of the coin, I know that my ministry might grow and I got to be straight. Look, I'm criticizing this person. I'm using my platform to call him out. And maybe you follow him. I don't know. But I'm going to not play sweet and kind to be able to criticize. And so, you know, the thing that I hope we talk about a month from now, whenever Ryan puts this episode together because I think I, I'm not being prophetic here, but I see it. I think we're missing postmodernism. I think we're missing the scholastic point that connects to the scriptures that we're in a period where society says there's not one interpretation that ends all interpretation. And so when you tell me this is truth with a capital T, well, I don't think that exists because of what, you know, the society has been fed in reaction to 
the whole scientific thing, the objective thing. So I think we're in a place where we have to say, listen, if someone's going to criticize someone for teaching wrong, they're going to expose themselves for be criticized for their motivations and their benefits for that. And we're going to just fight if we keep taking that approach. So I'm done, but I agree with everything you guys said so far. And I'm trying to like keep up with all the points you guys are making because they're such like they're so thought provoking and like insightful. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like I need to be taking notes. Okay, he said this, he said this, and and I and I want to I want to respond to that stuff. Um, but I think my my memory is okay. I think I, I think I think I got it. <laughs> um, part of what I'm gonna do is respond with scripture. Okay. Uh, the first passage is in Matthew 18. Uh, Cornell already referenced it. Uh, Matthew 18 and 15. It says, if another believer sins against you now, before I keep going, um, there's a note that some manuscripts have against you. Some manuscripts just say, some manuscripts don't have against you. Okay, but I think the earlier manuscripts have if another believer sins. It doesn't say against you. It doesn't make it like a personal thing. Um, but anyways, after that, after that uh, caveat, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt or corrupt, <laughs> corrupt tax collector. Um, and I, I, heard, I heard an individual actually speak on that passage. And what they said was very interesting. Then you guys tell me if you agree or not. I'm not sure how kind of where I land on it. I just thought it was an interesting thing to say. So Christ is saying this, and he was saying about that passage that going to somebody privately, which actually I, I, I changed my mind. I do err on the side of, 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 of going to somebody privately. Like if, you, if you have that rapport with them, if you have that connection, you know what I mean? And, they, and, they're, and they're sinning. We're talking about sin here. Okay. That, yeah, you should go to them privately. But the person was saying, he's like, I feel like that's not a, that's not a command. That's not a mandate. That's a courtesy. Um, I'm not sure if you guys agree or not. He was just saying that, like, he's like, I feel like it's a courtesy. He's like, I don't feel like I owe that to an individual. It's a nice thing to do. It's a nice gesture, but it's not something that, like, I'm commanded to do. Go to them privately first and then, you know, deal with it on the, in the public sphere or whatever the case. So that's one passage. The other passage I wanted to bring up, which kind of, uh, it kind of goes in conjunction with that one. This is in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. And it says, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. Then he says, I solemnly, I solemnly command you in the presence. There's other stuff that goes along with this, but um, I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. So, and then we know Paul means what he says because he actually reprimanded Peter to his face. <laughs> and we see that in the book of Galatians, right? When he was he was being a hypocrite, he was sitting with the um, 
he would sit with the Gentiles eating and stuff. And then some other people from the Jewish camp, uh, some Judaizers, <laughs> um, he might, you might've called them came and, and he like split with them as if he didn't know them. And, um, and not, so not only that, and this goes back to your original point, Milo, where it says, watch your, watch your, uh, your life and your doctrine. It's not just the fact that Peter did that, that was wrong. He had other people following him. So I think Barnabas is mentioned in that group of people. So like when Peter did that, both Barnabas and a whole group of other people followed him. You know why? Because Peter has influence. Okay. Peter is a leader. He's an apostle in the church. So Paul having that foresight came to him was like, bro, like what you did was wrong, <clears throat> challenged him, you know, kind of set him straight, whatever the case. So obviously, I mean, you could look at that, you know, one of two ways you could say that, okay, those two, the last two passages that I mentioned, you know, are we talking about public, publicly in the local church? Are we talking about publicly, like in general? Because look at what it says. It says, those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church, maybe not the whole world, but the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. So there's a purpose for the person being reprimanded publicly. It's a purpose for the individual who's in sin. Um of being called out because now others can look to that and be like, okay, like, like these are the repercussions of my actions. These are the repercussions. If, if I am insanity, whether that means, you know, teaching bad doctrine or moral failure or whatever the case is. Um, I think contextually speaking, you know, the church is, the church is lumped into public in the sense that, you know, the word, it's not just the, the church world that's saying it, but it's the, um, it's the uh, it's the secular world that's seeing it, but in the same token, everything is recorded these days anyway. So, like, if let's say you know you take one of these individuals, they're getting reprimanded. That stuff is being recorded. Like, you think like no one's going to see it anyways? Now, whether that's right or wrong, that's just the reality we, that we have to wrestle with. Um, I also so to your point about about motive. Um. It, it almost sounds as if you're saying that a person can't have pure motive in what they're doing. It sounds like, like the like the person who's who's criticizing. And I feel like I, I don't I don't feel like criticism is like I feel like that's a strong word. I feel like when like the, the conversation that we're having, or even the conversation that we had on Facebook when I first posted when I posted, I was like, was that like was that criticism? I feel like there's such a negative connotation to that in the sense that if you if because I did that, like I was in the wrong and anybody who kind of su supported that position. And for the record, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that Alan Parr did in the video. My main thing, and I actually, um, I actually clarified this. My main thing was just about, was just about the teaching. Now, granted, why post the whole video if it's just about the teaching? Because, well, that's what happened. Like, like it's like Michael Todd. Like he, he did what he did. He said what he said. You know, somebody made a video about it, and I was like, "Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, I don't agree with his teaching." So, like, you know, and I tried to be, I tried to be clear on that. But this idea that an individual can't have pure motives while calling out sin, whether it's in conduct or doctrine. I mean, Paul was doing it all throughout his letters. Are we calling him wrong? Um. That's kind of all I have for now. I don't know if Cornell, if you want to respond, or Milo, if you want to respond first. Well, I'll, I'll respond just briefly. You know, I'll be honest. You know, I don't like online stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Like when they basically told me that 
we're going to be streaming everything, I just start cringing. <laughs> like, you know, whenever I, I preach or whenever I, you know, witness, you know, I like doing it in the confines of the people who are in the room. Right. Because it's, it's personal. I believe it's personal. I believe that, that, that Christ has given me to be an overseer over a flock that he has given me, right? It's his flock. I'm the under shepherd. And this is the flock, right? These are the people, everybody online. I don't know them, right? I don't know all those people online. And what I know is that a lot of people online, they're online for the most part because they're skeptics or, you know, they're keyboard warriors, you know, who knows, right? You know, a lot of times, you know, that's the way I feel. So I, I just struggle. So, talking about coming in with motives, you know, I'm coming in with the motive of, I know that people online can be very harsh. I know people online will nitpick anything and everything that is said by some of the most faithful pastors, pastors who are doing their best to stay faithful. And they'll start nitpicking, they'll do this, they'll do that, right? And then there's others who are more charitable, who don't, who don't nitpick. And like, man, this guy's a good guy, but He's had like 10 bad sermons in a row, you know, of whatever it may be. Right. But so I'm just letting you know, that's my motivation coming in to this conversation. That's kind of where I hear. Uh, I know that not every pastor gets it right, but but tons of pastors still try to stay faithful to the text, even if they mess up. But you have people online who are waiting and watching to fail and to be honest, to be jerks because you say. I mean, that's not a command. I don't have to go to that person, right? And that's all for me. That sounds jerky. You know, I don't have to go to that person. I can do what I want to do, right? You know, I, I just come and put them on blast, right? But compassion, you know, the way that you love. Jesus said, "You know that these are my disciples by what? By the way that you love, in the way that I love. Hey, I'm gonna come to you first. I'm still gonna put it out, but I'm gonna come to you first, right?" You know, and so that that's where I, I kind of sit with it, you know. Amen. Yeah, and, and I think I think there's I always try to be like I'm an advocate for balance. Like I always try to be as balanced as possible. I try to be charitable, I try to be fair, I try to be gracious, yet Milo still doesn't trust me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. But I, I I understand I understand where Milo's coming from though, because in the sense that I've actually experienced that. You know, the individual who yeah, they're sweet and they're nice, but there's an undertone. Of, <laughs> there's an undertone of like yeah, um, you know, it's like 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 hypercriticism, judge judgment. You know what I mean? We actually, right. episode, remember that episode we did on judgment, Milo? I, I kind of <laughs> do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, so, so there's a book called "When Narcissism Comes to Church," and it's teaching about covert narcissism as it relates to you know what happens in the local church and how these prideful people have a. They're not as overt, but they come off sweet and kind. But they're doing some things that aren't really sweet and kind. What what I hope you see, Ryan, is that, and I think this is this is a. I don't want to say revelation, but um. I think it's enlightened because you didn't, what you did, everyone agreed with, I think. Everyone agrees with the criticism of the teaching. 
there's just another group of us that now say, okay, now we get to criticize the criticizer. And so there's two things happening at once. Once I criticize, well, now I'm throwing the rock in the glass house. And so now people throw rocks back and we'll see. So the issue is you found the low-hanging fruit, finding the famous guy who's doing bad stuff and stitching together his imperfections. Well, that's easy. But if it benefits my ministry and I'm, you know, like, okay, well, there's a different way to do that that shows that I like, I, you know, so in, I just think that's the uh, the difference is that the critic I'm criticizing the criticizer. Who seems sweet. And, and, and the other thing that I just want to impress is that that brother who's concerned. Here's the question I would ask you and I would ask you to ask me when you're when I'm doing something that you think is wrong. You might say, Brother Milo, what's motivating your teaching? Because your life is teaching me something or your doctrine is teaching me something. And so I'm thinking of 1 Timothy 4, but Philippians 2 verse 3 and 4 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. So what's motivating you to criticize this pastor way over there that you have no authority over? Why are you really doing this? And if you're going to end up benefiting from that, are you pretending you didn't know that when you sent uh, 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 a thumbnail of not recommending Pastor Ryan. You're like, did I not know that I wasn't like using this for my own gain? Am I going to pretend that because I'm sweet and have music in the background that I didn't notice my own ministry's benefit? And so the challenge is for us to not be so blind that we can see the low-hanging fruit of unacceptable teaching and we can't see the covert methods by which we have selfish motiva motivations and criticize them. Notice how uh, Cornell he doesn't he doesn't really want to do it because that's not he'll do it if he has to and if some but it's like it's it's not intuitive to do, let alone to do a video. What what hurt me and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you this I'm not in relationship with these higher brothers in the you know public sphere, but I thought if I saw that stuff that Michael Todd did and it hurt me that bad. I'd probably do a video right away saying, listen, I can't recommend this guy anymore. You know, and I wouldn't have done a very choreographed thing like that. So I'm wondering if we're unable to tell when people are making business decisions because they meet a checklist that we think is right. And I think we're, we got to get past that, that, that stage. Yeah, man, I, I can, I can totally get on board with that. And I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I, and let, and let me, Let's shift gears a little bit because Milo, I think what you're touching on, like, I don't think everybody had, okay, this that's what I want to say. What you're touching on, I don't think everybody has that same heart posture when they're for, for the individuals who disagree with Alan Parr. You know what I find a lot of times? One of the things that motivated this episode is when we call out or start, I don't say we call out, but when, 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 a leader in the church is exposed for doing something. And what I what I sometimes see, and you guys can tell me if you find this as well, what I sometimes see is is people come to their defense and and they um and they like defend what they did. They defend, and it's not even just so they either defend what they did or they defend like even sometimes the teaching. The teaching that like we all know. You know, like 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 we know is, is, right, right, is false, right? And the so I think I think for me that's the thing that I'm I'm most combative about is like why are you 
why are you defending this? Like, so now, so now, now we're fighting two fights. We're, we're, we're fighting against like the teaching. Now we're fighting against the individual who actually thinks the teaching is true or that the conduct is true. You know what I mean? And what, what you're speaking to though, I think is, is different than that. What you're speaking to is like, there's a way to go about um, calling somebody out or exposing false teaching or, or moral failure or, or whatever the case. And I can appreciate that. Um, I just don't think that everybody who uh, dis- disagrees were disagreeing for the same reason that you were disagreeing. Does that make sense? Right. It makes perfect sense. But but I, I think we you're bridging the gap. So you've literally take the, took the conversation and you brought it to like where I've been seething I, I love that you can do that to kind of like connect where we're having the same conversation on different sides. But to that point, if a police officer pulls over a man for a DUI, um, the reason why the police officer can't make any mistakes is because he's the one judging and he's the moral authority. Mm-hmm. So the lawyer says, I don't care that my guy was drunk driving. This police officer made this mistake. So you can't hold them accountable. I, I think where I think you and I are going to, we could probably talk for hours about this, but I think that most people see the criticism and they don't even care about what's being criticized because it's obviously something wrong. Um, you know, when a man, um, you can tell when a man is trying to belittle an, another man in front of his woman, you know, so you can tell when someone has an agenda that's no matter how sweet it sounds. And a lot. The, so I think there's two equal problems. You see that one side and I think your heart is like, I'm done with the church allowing this false stuff to continue anyway. And I'm going to call it out. And I think you just have a heart for that. I think the majority of the people don't necessarily have the same heart posture. But their issue is, I can tell a fake dude when I see one. And Alan Parr is the real deal, by the way. But that video, if I talk to him, you, you remember how um, Martin Luther had the 95 thesis? <laughs> yeah. but, but it was all about indulgences. So he didn't have 95 problems. He had 95 ways this one problem. I could do 95 ways that video did not have the right motives. Mm-hmm. And you seem to keep saying he had the you keep defending the motives of Alan Parr as if you know them. And it's like, okay, you don't see the criticism part that I see. But I clearly agree with you that what he said about Michael Todd can't stand, but it doesn't change the fact that there's I'm more upset at the criticizers than the bad teaching. I think the issue is people are choosing which one. And to your earlier point about the person that says, you know, I don't feel I have to follow that command, that's just someone that needs to be discipled. You know, like if you're not following Jesus and you think that his uh, t- teachings are suggestions, well, there's something missing in the discipleship equation. Um, but no, I, I think that I love what you did. What hurt my heart is I agree 100 percent with what you said and why you sent it. But I, I flipped the coin over and I chose that side because I think that's where the church is going to lose in evangelism in the 21st century. If we don't see that side. Okay, so a couple things, and then Cornell, I'm sure you have some thoughts you want to share as well. Um, I'm not, I don't like 100% endorse, like, 
like what Alan Part did. Like I like I I hope I'm clear on that. Yeah, you I, are. Yeah. I, I'm I'm like I'm not like defending him per se, like as much as I am what I'm advocating for is is the gesture. And when I'm and, and when I when I say that I mean like the idea, the concept of 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 what he was trying to do. Now he may not have he may not have executed it correctly. Like that's that's where the debate is. You know what I mean? That's where the tension is. Is he could have gone about that a different way. And yeah, he. You're right. He certainly could have. You know. Um, but I, I I still. And I'm not. And you know, talk about motive. Like I'm not even pretending to know like what his motive was. I'm just saying that what he did is is without getting into like the details of how he executed it, what he did, like the 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 the, the idea of calling something out is like I, I I don't I don't fault him for that. You know what I mean? Like I, I would I'd rather him do that than than not do it. I guess is my point. Now doing it in a certain fashion, doing it in a way that's going to be more fruitful and not going to, you know, cause a divide that we're seeing. Yeah, we can have a conversation about that. But do I disagree with the with the fact that he like did it at all? No, I'd rather him do it than be silent. You know what I mean? Um, and there was something else you said. <clears throat> I I do I do agree with you in the sense that you know people don't the 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 if the criticism is louder than than the truth of 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 your words then that's problematic like like I get that I get your position on that and that's why I try to be the way that I am and I feel like I'm genuine in it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I feel like my motives are pure when you know I'm talking about a, a you know I'm talking about a thing um, that I'm you know agree or disagree with or whatever the case. And maybe that's not everyone. Maybe that wasn't Alan Parr, but <clears throat> I do agree that. So it does start with right motive, number one, and I feel like that right motive more often than not is going to result in. Um, in an endeavor like this that might be more fruitful. However, however, that's not necessarily a guarantee either. You might have all the right motives. You might have done all the right things and people would have still had an issue with it. So, you know how uh, Cornell was talking about when, you know, like pastors, they can, you know, they can uh, cross their T's and dot their I's and, you know, they can be diligent in their study and stuff like that. And people will still find a reason to you know, have a problem with something that he said or something he did, or I just don't like him, whatever the case. Well, the flip side of that is the individuals who are being called out, you have people that come to their defense doing the same thing. You know, like they, like they don't care. They don't care about if, if what you said was true. They just they just know that they that they like this person. They like the way that they make them feel. They like the way that um, they speak. They like the way, you know, they, they look like, I've seen people, I've seen it online. I swear, I've seen it online. People Hey Ryan. Oh, go ahead. Real fast, interject on that thought, and I'll jump back out. That's why when when I was sharing with you when I was talking about accountability and and, and when you're planning the church, 
or whenever you're leading a church, whenever you're building your elder board, deacon board, or your uh, board period, you know, you have to find people who love God more than they love you. <laughs> they love the church more than they love you. Uh, and then, or not more than they love you, but you guys get what I'm saying, because I don't want that my words to be nitpicked. Or, you know, and find those who do love you, right? Uh, but at the same time, they 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 got to figure out the balance because people who love you more than they love the church, or love you more than they love many times God, they'll then start to defend your actions instead of saying, "Hey, he's wrong," but he's our brother. Yeah, it's so like it's like it's like idolatry, right? It's like idolatry. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's wrong. He, he did wrong. He spoke wrong. But instead of us beating him up, let's let's acknowledge it. Yes, he's wrong, but now let's figure out how to love him. Let's figure out how to encourage him. Let's figure out how to restore him or to get him back on the right track, right? Uh, because that means that, one, we, we love God more than we, we love this person. But at the same time, we still love this person. So how do we speak truth but in, in love in such a way that we build up? And not just fully tear down to keep somebody down. Amen. Yeah, and I think I think it's the proper balance. I, I always talk about uh, how we need truth and we need grace. Um, but you know, it's 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 hard to balance the two. I feel like the church either specializes in one or the other. <laughs> um, you know, Brian. I think what's so interesting we we agree in a nuanced we agree completely but there's a nuance there that i that i'm trying to i just can't put the words right but i'm so confident that your position is correct that we need to be vocal about error locally and publicly and to to um even uh push back on those that make it okay um i might be the one to criticize here because i'm criti i'm criticizing uh, the motives of Michael Todd, his teaching. There's something happening in his life. What's motivating that isn't Scripture or the Holy Spirit. So I'm I'm looking at when you watch your life in doctrine, but then I'm looking at Alan Parr and I'm saying, well, something's motivating his criticism. And so I'm following motivation no matter who I'm talking to. And I think that's the key. As long as we check our, because our all of us, our motives could at some point become contaminated with whatever that looks like and so i just want to encourage you to keep fighting that good fight that listen we can't turn a blind eye to this type of you know false teaching and the insight that i had is like i agree with ryan 100 percent, but i just turned the coin over and i saw this other side that i wanted to talk about because i see since he's being beat up for the obvious that his teaching and, and i wonder and i want to push this back to you do do you see do you see something with, do you see, when you see, let's not pick a name, but a, a public figure, do you look at what's motivating them as part of your thinking and like, you know, or is it just, it doesn't matter what's motivating, it's just what I see is, I just call balls and strikes of what the outcome is. Yeah, motivate, motivation is definitely a factor. And the reason is, and you can't, you can't not confront that. Because I feel like there's times when not everybody that says something false is a false teacher. And not everybody that 
you know, uh, quotes a heresy is a heresy is a heretic. You know, sometimes we just miss the mark. I've missed the mark. Like I've taught publicly, I've preached sermons, I've done Bible studies, and I can look back and in areas where I was like, man, even oh my god, Facebook posts, that's the best. Sometimes I'll be seeing those memories and I'd be like, bro, <laughs> <laughs> what are you even talking about? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I was an idiot, like whatever. <laughs> like, um, but I say that to say with the right motives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. So there's times when an individual might be getting it wrong and you know they're doing their best. And they just need a little understanding, need a little guidance, need a little discipleship. And then there's, and then there's times when individuals are, um, uh, when they're prideful, when they don't respond to correction, they think they have it all together. And I feel like you can, me and Cornell were just talking about this the other day uh, with Ricky J about this guy who's uh Talking about deliverance ministry, that's a whole nother topic, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But one of the things that Ricky said that stood out, he says the guy speaks he speaks so authoritatively. Like, he speaks with so much authority, like, as if as if he couldn't be in error about what, about what he's saying. But he obviously is. You know what I mean? So, right, 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 right. I think um, th- there there is a distinction there um, between you and an individual who's just like, getting it wrong because it just needs to improve versus an individual who's like, you know, I'm, like, I don't care what you say. Like, you know, like, I know I'm right. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I'll give you another example. There is um, there's a pastor who his his position on giving, I, I, I disagree with. And again, I'm trying to avoid name dropping and stuff. I'm not, I, I, it's not what I'm here for. But for the sake of discussion, there's a pastor that I know who I disagree with on his position on giving <laughs> and, and, and tithing. And I feel like I feel like we have enough hermeneutical value that we can deduce, you know, what like like how we're supposed to give. And the, and the individual that I'm speaking about is also very intelligent. He's like, he's a smart person. So that tells me that either because of where you land when it comes to that, you either are grossly misinformed or are being deceptive. And there is no middle ground. And I'd rather it be the first one. <laughs> I'd rather it be that you just that you were just ignorant, but I know that's not the case. And and it's not just the, it's not just that. Like there's other details and stories and stuff that I've heard. Like I like I like that. Now 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 we're speaking to now we're speaking to character. Now we're speaking to motive when it comes to that. Now I know you're purposely teaching this thing. I've do I've heard pastors say like um. Like when it comes to, to giving and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I know what the Bible says, but I'm gonna do it this way anyway. Like that's that's motive right there. That's <laughs> so that's when you're that's when you're compromising the truth for um for pragmatism. Right. Um so to answer your question, yeah, like I, I do look at motive, uh, maybe not immediately. I think if there's if I see a pattern with an individual 
who may be either doing something or teaching something wrong, I start to consider motive for sure. But if it's, you know, if this is like the first time hearing about it or whatever the case, maybe not as as quickly, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, you, we, we, no one knows what someone's motives are. Um, but the Lord, but the goal is to watch the motive and watch your own motive when you teach or criticize. Mm-hmm. And what I love about you two is that I could call you and say, hey, what's motivating your criticism? And, and I know to the extent that I know you that there's there's nothing but goodness behind it. Um, and so I don't have the relationship. The, the big issue is no one has authority to hold someone accountable universally except Jesus, right? So mm-hmm. who, who am I to sit here and do a video holding some guy accountable that I'm not in relationship with? Like, how could how could the Spirit of God give us the motivation? I totally get how we could want to give clarity universally to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we, but we can only hold accountability those that we're in relationship with. So there's something very slight that we're missing and i'm glad you're bridging the gap today because i think that's the goal to figure out how do we take both sides of the coin and to me we follow the motives of criticism and teaching and that allows us to to know the do's and don'ts of uh how we balance that yeah amen you know um i'm gonna just say this as as my closing thought you know just as we've been talking just to get back to especially the tech question criticism you know, uh, James 3 and 1, you know, basic says not many of you should become teachers. So this is a warning. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. So talking to believers, those who are in the Lord, those who walk with the Lord, not many of you guys should become teachers. Why? Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Yes, we'll be more judged more strictly by by our father. Uh, but at the same time, you'll be scrutinized by the world more, more strictly, right? So as sensitive as I am, you know, in this matter, because I'm, I'm still learning. I'm a learner and I'm always coming at it as a learner, knowing that I could be wrong. And it's the Holy Spirit, even though I studied, even though I went to school, even though I have knowledge. Uh, but at the same time, I could be wrong. I don't want to be wrong, you know, and if I am wrong, you know, present to me where I'm wrong to where I can correct it. Right. So that I can make it right, make it straight, because I know that we're going to be held accountable. I know that I have to be because that's what the scripture says. You know, I, I have to be held accountable and it's going to be more strictly than I want. But I need to be ready for it because that's how we prevent ourselves from perishing and we prevent others from perishing and then if you actually create a online ministry you have to be ready for all the criticism that is coming because you'll be judged at greater lengths even by people who have wrong motives right even by people who have wrong motives everyone is coming for you because everyone doesn't look at that scripture the same way everyone doesn't interpret that scripture the same way you know um and as a result everyone is coming right so i don't know what michael todd said 
about any of his i just remember from the video about you know um twerking and i remember something about his wife uh the pictures of her but i don't remember anything about the teaching i think he said something but even with that teaching you know um criticism is going to come he has to be ready for it i believe that first and foremost the accountability and the authority figure comes from the local congregation criticism can come from the cheap seats all the way from omaha you know but the authority comes from his congregation and people can make known hey this is what's actually happening seeing that you guys don't see it, and it keeps happening so let me make mention of these things are happening maybe you guys need to check your board and check the way things are actually being run because what started off sound is now moving away from soundness and turning more into theatrics or turning more into whatever it may be right so i mean i, I believe that's where i stand on it um criticism is going to come uh, but the authority and accountability comes from the local church and if the local church is missing it then the cheap seats can weigh in but still the authority and accountability comes from the local church depending on your structure and the way that you're set up yeah and, and i think we're, that's it may, maybe not all the time but i think a lot of the time um kind of what you mentioned about if the local church isn't handling it then the universal church weighs in like now there's on the flip side there's times when the universal church is going to weigh in regardless <laughs> you know whether it's being handled or not yeah. I, I consider like um uh matt chandler you know in a situation that he was in um mm -hmm. and i feel like the way the church handled that was like they handled it very well like they nipped it in the bud like this dude got sat down for for some instagram messages like he, he ain't even like he didn't go on a date or nothing with, with the girl or cheat or nothing he's just like bro like they sat him down to, to, for preventative you know for preventative measures you know what i mean and and, and even then they and even then there was still a whole bunch of criticism going around a whole bunch of like speculation about what was happening and stuff so the church he has a church. big platform. He has yeah. a big platform. So they wanted to nip it in the bud before any kind of spec. And then they kept what he did in-house. Yep. Yep. This this is us. The whole world doesn't need to know. This is us. We're going to keep it in-house, you know, with, with those who are involved. We're not going to air our pastor's dirty laundry. And it doesn't seem like it was dirty. It was just, hey, it was questionable. Right. Even though it's questionable, we're going to shut it down. And shut it down to make sure that the enemy doesn't have room to sneak in and to do anything in our congregation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love the way that they handled that. And I think that's the model. And you kind of spoke to that earlier in the episode. Um, we just don't see it all the time. And then that leaves room, like you said, for the enemy to cause all of this dissension and stuff that that we see, which I don't I don't agree with. Like I don't I don't like that. I don't I don't glorify that or celebrate that at all. Um, but I think in the midst of that, one of the things I like to try and do is, like you said, Milo, bring some clarity, you know? Um, mm -hmm. You know what I wish we would do more of? You guys remember the elephant room? You guys saw the elephant room, right? Yeah, I saw that. I, 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 you ever seen the elephant room? Okay, so the elephant room, Milo, and for anybody who, who uh, my listeners who doesn't know, 
Elephant Room was this um, was this little segment that a, a number of church leaders came together, and they would bring like high profile pastors. So, like one of them had Matt Chandler and Steve Furtick, for example. And go against each other, right? So Matt Chandler and Stephen Furtick had uh, different positions on missiology, um, you know. And if if ministry, how much should be like inward focus versus outward focus? Like that was that's in a nutshell. That's what it was about. Right. And so they brought them together to have a uh, like a friendly like dialogue slash debate about it. And they were both going to like state their positions. Other person gets a chance to respond. You know, just like a like a standard debate would go. Um, and I thought it was very fruitful. You had a mediator, okay, so who was also a pastor, you know, and a leader himself. Um, was that James James McDonald? Was that who it was? So the guy who's the mediator. <laughs> hey, hey, no, we, we ain't got to. We ain't got to. <laughs> no, 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 not that part. But the guy who's the mediator came under tons of criticism and is no longer a pastor at his church, and he was the mediator of the whole process. <laughs> How ironic is that? Look, he's in the room, not just the elephant. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, what I appreciated about that and why I it'd be dope if we saw more, we probably won't. But number one, you get to see brothers coming together. You, you get to see like that idea of bridging the gap, right? Like, we're trying to create unity. We're trying to find agreement. Number two, um, a lot of individuals who follow these men will be enlightened, will be informed in the process. Um, and we won't, I think it'll eliminate a lot of the, maybe not completely, but somewhat eliminate a lot of the uh, the online division that, that, that we see. If we see that they're able to come to some agreement like and then they're like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I gotta consider or reconsider, you know, my thoughts, my position on this because of what I heard, you know, during the segment. Uh, so I don't know. I just think it'd be like a cool idea. I think it'd be if they brought like high-profile church leaders or pastors together, like on a frequent basis to talk about certain issues um, and like where they land and the differences. Like I don't know. I think I think it'd be dope personally. But That's kind of what. The one is like, yeah, Cornell, go ahead. You beat me to that. Well, I was about to say, well, I'm actually trying to create that locally within our own network in, in, in the city of Vallejo. I'm trying to bring together pastors from uh, the reform perspective, uh, the more moderate uh, middle perspective, and then from the more liberal perspective. And I want to bring pastors in and bring out topics like, you know, what is the gospel? Right. Bam. Let's let's have a, a discussion over that for 30 minutes. All right. You know, then, you know, how can we be saved? Right. There's another conversation, you know, and then another one is, you know, what's your perspective on healing? Right. Or whatever the, the topics are. Let's lay these topics out. And as we lay these topics out, how do we show that for the most part, many of us are closer together than we are further but if we are farther away, then how can we still have a a love for each other? Or how do we still basically say, hey, these are the majors. Let's major on them and let's work together. Now, you may not be able to work together with people, but, you know, the perspective is to hear different sides. And then where is the love in all of it? Because the church right now is more divided than ever. And 
we need to come together. So yeah, we're looking to have that here in my community, probably in May or June. Yeah, man. Um, this was a uh, a very very this is a very awesome dialogue we had. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if you guys had any 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 last thoughts. I think I think I think Milo I think Milo said everything you wanted to say. <laughs> Cornell, I feel like you kind of said everything you wanted to say as well. But just want to make sure I didn't leave anything out. Um. I would, so to Milo's point, um, trying to find a balance between, so number one, like, you know, talking about like, um, uh, like motivation, like what motivates an individual to do something? Because even if you don't know an individual's motive, like uh, 100%, like you, you get you get kind of a feel for it, right? You're like, you know what? I, I don't think they meant X, Y, and Z, um, and I'm and maybe even giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I feel like we, uh, like biblically, we should be trying to err on on the side of that more so than not, and more so than we probably see. <laughs> um, and then so again, finding that balance between grace and truth, like trying to be gracious, and while also being honest about. A situation being honest about you know what somebody did or what they said because at the same time if you you know if you're not honest you can't heal if you're not honest you can't improve right 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 right. um so so for me it's just about you know trying to find that balance and trying to inform trying to bring clarity trying to educate um when we come to those when we come to these crossroads of um you know things that people say and do and i agree that you know, like I don't know, I don't know any of these high-profile <laughs> individuals personally, um, and I know that social media gives everybody a platform, gives everybody a voice, and they, but but and they think that what comes with that is authority. <laughs> um, so I don't want to give that impression either, uh, but I also see. The, the the benefit of being able to um how should I say inspire uh people on a on a large scale to do their due diligence when it comes to the word of God because for me that's like the most important thing that's the principal thing you know that's my that's my motivation if that makes sense amen um anyways that wraps up another episode of Bridging the Gap. If you are still listening, you're awesome. You're, you're, you're a champ. Because <laughs> uh, I know we've been on here for a while, but uh, if you like what you heard, I just want to invite you to uh, subscribe, uh, share it with a friend, you know, follow me on, on, on the gram, like just all the things. And of course, join me next time um, as I uh, continue to bring you guys content that I pray will encourage you and uh, challenge you and is hopefully fruitful. Uh, but until next time, God bless. We boys.